Hi, my name is Sarah Rachel Brown. I'm a 30-something-year-old woman, and I live in Philadelphia. I'm a contemporary jeweler. And like many others, I am an artist trying to make a living. On this podcast, I'm going to broach the subject of value. I'll be talking to studio artists and performers, educators and administrators, and anyone else attempting to combine their creative endeavors with how they get a paycheck. Hello, my listeners. Welcome to another episode of Perceived Value. I am your host and producer, Sarah Rachel Brown, a woman talking about money and putting it on the internet. I've got a lot of things to tell you, but first, I have neglected thanking and welcoming my latest patrons and supporters. So let's do that right here, right now. Thank you to Sienna, Phil, and Kirsten. Your support keeps this podcast going and my tank full of gas. If you would like to show your support for the podcast, become my patron. It's easy. You name the amount, and each time I publish an episode, you pay that amount. Visit patreon.com slash perceived value to learn more, or you can click on the support page at perceivedvaluepodcast.com. The past couple of months, I've been struggling to keep up with the podcast, some of you might have noticed, and it comes down to how I structure releasing episodes. Since 2017, I have strived for a bi-weekly release schedule, year-round, no questions asked which is slightly nuts, and is slowly but surely wearing me down. So, I have decided I am taking a hiatus. And during this hiatus, I'm going to travel. I'll be traveling to record, I'll be traveling to present at universities and connect with students and listeners, and I'm going to return in the spring with a whole new season of episodes ready to roll and a fancy new release schedule that, you know, I'll actually be able to stick to. It's kind of like when artists never take a break from their studio practice. I mean, we've all known that artists. They just make and make and make. They don't stop and reflect on what they're making at some point. It just seems like they're beating a dead horse, but they can't really see it because they're in it. They need to stop and take time to, you know, reflect and think about new ideas and techniques. So yeah, that's me. I'm the artist. I'm beating the dead horse. So I'm going to reflect. I'm going to do some research. I'm going to regroup and approach season four of the podcast in a completely new way. You guys, it's going to be great. But, you know, before that happens, I still have a few interviews to release. So let's get to it. Today's guest I alluded to in my previous episode's introduction. This interview was recorded on-site at the American Craft Council's conference, which took place this past October in Philadelphia. And this podcaster found herself scrambling for a guest at the last moment, and who I ended up interviewing exceeded all my expectations and hopes. She is a Chinese-American artist, who is trained in ceramics, working primarily in porcelain, but also other materials associated with traditional women's work, such as textiles and hair. 
Her work has been honored with multiple grants and residencies, including the Emerging Voices Award by the American Craft Council in 2017. I truly love this conversation, which is obvious by how we enthusiastically jump into topic after topic. Jennifer Lynn Dachuk was extremely generous with the transparency around her financials, and I am incredibly thankful to the ACC for connecting me with this incredible artist. So please welcome today's guest, Jennifer Lynn Dachuk. so I turned myself down. Um, Jennifer, will you say your last name for me, please? Datchuk. Datchuk. Okay. Got that. Yeah, and Ling's my middle name, but mm-hmm. there are like a few Jennifer Datchucks out there in the world. <laughs> so, yeah, and it's also just, um, yeah, I feel like sometimes it's like a stage name. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. I relate to that 100%. Yeah. I'm Sarah Rachel Brown because yeah, there's, there's so, so many Sarah, many Brown. Sarah Browns. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, a famous soap opera star is Sarah Brown. And I was like, okay, well, yeah. <laughs> never going to be able to fight daytime <laughs> television. Um, Le- Jennifer Ling Dachuk. And you're Chinese-American? Yeah. Okay, yeah. there we go. Um, thank you for coming on for Sea Value today. Oh, thanks for having me. Um, you guys, we're at the Lowe's Hotel in downtown Philadelphia. Today is the first day of the American Craft Council Conference being held October 10th, 11th, and 12th. Um, and we're in the conference center. Have you already registered? Like, did you pick up your name tag? Yes, oh, just did. Girl, you're ahead yeah. of me. I haven't even done that I yet. I think you got thrown at me, so yeah. I'm okay. <laughs> they're, they're like, you're here. Yeah. Here's your name tag. Yeah. I, um, we're on the second floor in something what they're calling the Sky High Craft Facility. Yes. Sky High. Oh, here we go. Sky High Facility for Creative Work. Just all a sign. Um, and so Schiffer Publishing House has what they're calling pods. We're in these kind of hilarious little things. They're yurt structures That's without what they the are? covering. Yeah, they're kind of amazing. I'm amazed that they're standing. Yeah, I mean, I yeah. recognized, I was like, why does this seem familiar? Yurts, I was yeah. talking about yurts with my friends the other night yeah. and they're like, they had no idea what a yurt was. And I was like, how do you not know what a yurt like is? the most amazing sleeping experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I haven't gotten to sleep in a yurt, yeah. but I've been in yurts. Yeah. Um, so there's three pods, yurts, and we're in one, which is nice, which is we're sharing with the American Craft Council Library, which is cool, um, with Beth. Shout out to Beth, who is helping me get set up. Um, so yeah, Perceive Value is here, and I just wanted to take time and speak with artists who are, of course, coming to the conference, because sometimes I'm always like, who goes to these things? This is my first ACC conference. Um, Mine too, actually. Really? Yeah. Where was the last one? Omaha. That's right. Yeah. I remember I was a resident at the at Aeromont yeah. at the time. And I remember one of the residents was going to the conference. And I was like, I didn't even know that existed. Yeah. And then I was yeah. bombed. Yeah, same. And I think because we work with certain disciplines, we kind of already have our... our um, medium conference. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. with metals, it's snag. And with ceramics, it's in Sika. So... Mm-hmm. Um, Especially if you're an artist and you're working, you're engaged in your practice, sometimes like stopping to go to a conference or spend money on a conference is like super hard. Yeah. And if, and it's always like, what is the value? What am I getting out of it? Yeah. You know, because I'm a hustler. I haven't paid for snag full price only like once. Good for you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it's kind of. That should be on your name badge. (laughs) 
how many I view I view conferences the way yeah. the same way I view grad school yeah. if you're not getting paid to go what are you doing yeah oh no offense everybody out there that's always paying but I just I don't think I could afford it I couldn't yeah. afford to come to this conference if I wasn't working for it same and I think well just like my experiences within Sika like as a student, the institution always helped us go because they saw yeah. the value in the educational part of it, which mm-hmm. I think schools, universities should do that for their students. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as an artist, I think I volunteered. I did everything to like subsidize the cost mm-hmm. um, in hopes that I would could network or meet people or learn more about things. And um, sometimes I always come back exhausted and yeah. <laughs> depleted with maybe like a little bit of inspiration. Yeah. So it's like trying to find that right balance of like, is this worth taking time out of my studio practice? Mm-hmm. Um, and your life. Yeah. I mean, I usually, I was, oh gosh, I was, yesterday was my last day at my nine to five. Cause I'm doing this, taking time off, yeah. you know, congrats. Like, yeah. Thank you. My paid vacation days going to a conference. Uh-huh. <laughs> And then I'm leaving to teach at Penland right after. Oh, cool. And they were like, oh, my God, have so much fun on your vacation. And I was like, you're like, I'm working. (laughs) My sales director was like, you know, the next vacation, air quotes, that you take should actually be at like a beach or something. Yeah. And I think as artists, I don't think I've ever taken a vacation. Oh, my God. Because every time if you like when you do residencies, everyone's like, oh, that's so great. You get to go to Germany or Netherlands I'm like I'm technically working yeah like and it's not like I do eat a lot of desserts and like <laughs> um go see things but it's still like a really active studio practice and yeah. you have to show up at your residency and like you like meet your colleagues in uh fields and all over the world like mm-hmm. that's like a mental energy that is labor yeah it really is you're always on and it's hard to describe even when you're like going to dinner and having drinks and whatever it's still like a because no one knows you too so you have to almost Mm -hmm. be like your best self sometimes which yeah yeah. oh my god I feel like I've never had this conversation with somebody Uh, and I'm loving it so much because it's so true or like going to Munich Jewelry Week or New York City Jewelry Week for me those you know it's really fun but like it is a different type of fun Yeah. yeah Also, Jennifer, damn, you need a vacation. Um, I keep... Well, that's the thing. (laughs) Like a uh, real one. My husband's also an artist. Yeah. He's also in ceramics. So, like, every time we say we're going on a vacation, we end up, like, going and looking at a collection or art. And, like, I know that's something we would do for fun anyway, but there's always some thing about our practice that's built into vacations oh yeah I just went to Denver for a wedding and my best friend moved there to teach and she's like hey do you want to come speak to my students on Friday (laughs) and I was like it's just like one hour professional practice talk but like it engulfed my morning and whatever and I was like oh Sarah yeah and that's the thing too I never turned down a student request I know because it's talking to students I know and like not that we're like yeah, it is fun too, and they <laughs> yeah. they ask these questions, and you have to like temper with like how honest am I? Like how honest would I do? I tell them like how hard it is. Oh, I'm, I think I'm a little too honest. <laughs> like how do you crush their souls? Do you like kind that's of. the part that's like, yeah, yeah. As a teacher, like I have the hardest time, and I also I teach at a university and I teach art, and yeah, like I know. I'm teaching students that when they leave, they're going to leave with debt. Oh yeah. That it's so hard to get out of it, that you're in a field that doesn't, 
financially pay back what you've put in. Yeah. But you have to tell them your art is invaluable to the world, but you also might need to work at like, um, a fast yeah, bartend. Bartend. You <laughs> might need to be a like a service job. Like you'll have to have these exhausting uh side physically hustles. labor labor intensive side hassles and then like rest and somehow make your work. Oh my god. Okay, so guys, we're getting ahead of ourselves because Jennifer, you are so fun to talk to already. <laughs> um I need to give listeners insight to who you are. Oh, no. <laughs> we talked oh. about the conference and just yeah. went off. Um okay, so Jennifer. Oh, when did you fly in? Did you fly in last night? Wednesday, yesterday. Oh, yeah, 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 yesterday. Okay. Wow, you mm-hmm. just got fresh off. Yeah. Where did you fly in from? Um, I currently live in San Antonio, Texas. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm from Oklahoma. Yeah. So Never neighbors. thought in a million years I'd live in Texas. Yeah, I think um, a lot of people that end up in Texas think that. Yeah, and I think <laughs> everyone I've met there is not from Texas, but we've lived there long enough that I feel like I still can't claim Texan, but I yeah. do kind of love Texas. How long have you been there? Uh, 11 years. Oh, goodness. Moved there after grad school. Wait a minute. How old are you? 39. Really? I sound like I'm 12, but I also you wear... You also look amazing for 39. I wear sunscreen every day. Oh, yes. Like, that's mm-hmm. like everyone. Yeah. Invest in sunscreen. <laughs> um, You're going to look amazing. Wait, also, who's your husband? Uh, Ryan Takaba. Ryan He's a Takaba. ceramic artist. He works really architecturally. His practice is based on um, daily rituals. I'll have to look him up. I mean, yeah. I love when... I love ceramics. And yeah. I used to joke that I was like an honorary ceramic artist yeah. when I lived at Penland and things. Like, because yeah. all my partner was a ceramic artist. All my best friends were ceramic yeah. artists. I was always hanging around the wood fired kiln. Yeah. Um, it's a great community aspect. Oh my God, it is. Your guys is, I mean, I want to go to Inseca next year. It's in Richmond. I think yeah. I am going to go. Awesome. Um, and, you know, I come to conferences and I'm like, our snag is huge, blah, blah, blah. And we're just like a drop in the bucket compared to Inseca. It's like a tiny island. It's like it's, four to 6,000 people. It sounds overwhelming. It big. is. Yeah. It's overwhelming in the best like high school reunion way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm assuming, so you down there, do you teach? Like, what do you do for a living? Yeah, I um, teach at Texas State University, which is in San Marcos, Texas, which is okay. right in between San Antonio and Austin. I've been there. Um, this is my first semester there. Uh, oh. It's a 10-year track assistant professor of art, and I run the ceramics department there. Congratulations on the 10-year track. That was they're like I, I i mean i i'm a I broken won, record they're like yeah. U- unicorns <laughs> yeah and i think um i had been actively applying for teaching positions the past like three to four years and yeah um i don't think like when i left grad school that was my end goal um but i just kept meeting more students and mentoring more young artists mm-hmm. and I think of my experience in school and that there weren't professors that ha- looked like me or had experiences that reflected the world that I know. And yeah. so I feel like in some ways I needed a seat at that table and to like engage students in a different yeah. way now. You know, I had a curator on a few episodes back um, called, her name's Adia Sykes and she's mm-hmm. lovely. And we, the whole topic of conversation mm-hmm. was the lack of diversity within creative yeah. fields. And she did bring that to my attention, talking about how, you know, I think she went to the SAIC School of Art Institute mm-hmm. Chicago and talking about how she didn't have any black professors or, you know, mentors that looked like yeah. her. She could relate to in a lot of ways and she wants to be that person. And we we're talking yeah. about how important that is to have 
a Chinese American professor yeah. that students can see and relate to. And I meet so many Asian students studying ceramics and a lot of them get the same comment from their professors is like, don't make work that looks too Asian. Ugh. Which in a field that like Asian ceramics, the history of Asian ceramics has brought so much wealth yeah. to our media that like, I'm always appalled that they have to quantify their work by like not looking like something of the world they grew up in. That is it's weird. It's that's awful. also offensive yes. to say. Wow. That makes yeah. me angry kind of. Yeah. Not kind of makes me angry to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. And like as a student you're not empowered to like speak up or say anything. And it's also like how do you respond to something like that? So Well, it's not like every Asian should student should be breaking their work and then fixing it with gold. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that yeah. they should have their it, it's inherent. Yeah. It's what you do. Yeah. Um, well, I love that you are an Asian American professor, tenure track <laughs> professor girl. <laughs> um, where did you go to undergrad? I went to Kent State University in Kent, Ohio. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know people have gone there. Yeah, and I think I grew up partly in Ohio, so that was kind of like the big school close to me mm-hmm. that everyone kind of went to and studied I wanted to be a lawyer, so I was taking a lot of criminal <laughs> justice classes, like what every good Asian daughter should do, be a doctor or a lawyer. The stereotype is I'm, totally true. Thank you for saying uh, it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I fell in love with, I took a ceramics class and fell in love with it. And yeah. I feel really lucky that I went to a school that had a crafts program. Mm-hmm. They no longer do. Their crafts program is folded into fine art. Of course. I know. And that's makes me really sad. <laughs> That's sad. That is yeah, sad. Yeah, because I think when you drop the word, you drop the, the language, the technique, the vocabulary. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for grad school, I went to UMass Dartmouth. And okay. Um, I like purposely sought out craft programs, and their program was called Artisanry. Mm-hmm. And that has now recently folded into no. fine art. I know. <laughs> but I love that my two degrees say craft and artisanry. And all the time people ask me like oh you can get a degree in that as though like I got a degree in popsicle sticks and um they're like what is felt. craft yeah <laughs> yeah yeah oh gosh may I ask did you pay for your schooling like how did you get yourself through school yeah um student loans oh all the way yeah even my undergrad and I think that's something as a teacher now I really talk to students about because mm-hmm. my parents did not understand the FAFSA application oh. as an undergrad and um, I'm the first person in my family to go to college so there's such this like pressure to go to school and like yeah. and I totally see the value in an education because it, it has allowed me to like ri- rise up through social stanchions and class stanchions in life yeah of course um so I believe in that power of education, but look, so that's maybe how I reconcile my immense student debt with like, look, it's gotten me here and maybe I wouldn't be here without that. Yeah. But, um, undergrad was definitely grants and loans and yeah. then grad school part assistantship, oh, which okay. covered tuition. But in Massachusetts, this, the student fees are almost equal to the cost of tuition which is not covered by the assistantship oh my god I didn't even know this existed I didn't oh, know sorry it I'm a non-academic can you what does that mean student fees like studio fees or what studio fees athletic fees um do you have to pay athletic fees even if you don't care about sports yes which is something my students today are really upset about 
I would be upset about yeah. that too. I don't want to pay for the football team to get exactly. like yet another brand new jersey. Yes. And that's where you really see within like the academic institutions that that money for athletics they get they can charge money. Yeah. And then like games brings in revenue and income to the school. Like it's such a that is so messed up. Yes. It's really frustrating. Um so <sighs> I think, too, like, student loans helped me live through grad school, but I still worked, like, all these side hustles and jobs in grad school that I was, like, i getting this really invaluable experience of teaching Mm -hmm. and being the teacher of record and getting a small stipend, but then I still can't afford my rent or buy my materials or, like, have food. And um, I just remember in grad school, my, my husband and I, we had, like, a food budget of, like, $40 a week. So we yeah. would make like one big pot of rice and like one big pot of chicken and eat that the whole week. Yeah. Yeah. That's why you got that grad school diet, I guess. Yeah. You know, I it's looking thin yeah. and lovely. <laughs> I mean, and I don't know if you can relate to this, Jennifer, but when I am stressed about money, which is most of my life, mm-hmm. let's be real, all, all my yeah. life, um, I shut down. Like if I have bills that are yeah. overdue and I know that they're aqu- mm-hmm. getting fees and whatnot, I, I can't go to the studio and turn that off. Like I have a really hard time. Yeah. How did you relate to that in grad school? Cause that's one of those times where you have to be like on your best game and in prolific, like insanely prolific. Yeah. I think, um, I've always grown up not having money. So I have yeah. this like I think my money panic comes with like, okay, what do I got to do? Like, mm-hmm. what do I got to sell? What do I, uh, what like side hustle? Who needs something fixed? Who needs like, I'm always like, I feel like I, it sounds like I'm scheming, yeah. but it kind of is like. Oh, I scheme. <laughs> <laughs> and there has to be a more positive spin on this, but it's like, yeah. I start the like, it does maybe reach a downward spiral moment mm-hmm. where but I hate that it has to get to that moment for me to like put things in perspective. Yeah. Of like, okay, well, I can't do this this month. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or like, I can't get a burrito. Like, mm-hmm. it's all those things then you sacrifice and go without. Yeah. You yeah. make it work. I mean, you know, you can go two months without paying your water bill before they turn it off. <laughs> so, yeah. so you're like, this month I'm going to pay electricity and then next month I'll pay water. And yeah. then we'll just like flip back and forth. It's things like that. Yeah. And it's totally real. And I think for a long time too, like I owed so much in my, my student loans were super behind and that's yeah. the part because they're constantly calling you. They that's find the you in every aspect of your life. And then like, I couldn't get my transcripts to apply for a job. <gasps> because so like, your loans yeah. were in default or whatever? So, like, oh. I couldn't move forward to, like, get out of the situation because I couldn't get, like, my pay $3 to get my transcript because I owed, like, hundreds of dollars. Oh, um, but this is something I learned, too. Like, if you call, you can, like, negotiate that. No one tells yeah. you, like, you have the power to, like, work out a deal of, like, how can I pay this off to get this? That's interesting. And I did do that when I lived in Seattle. Yeah. I remember I got it down to like, I could pay $20 a month and they yeah. would leave me alone. Yeah. And I did that for years. Yeah. But I mean, you know, that interest is still growing, but I know. you can at least do it so I you can know. live your life. Yes. Because eventually, I mean, I don't know how big your debt is or if you even want to. Oh, f- I tell people. Is it two numbers or three? <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I know, and like interest is growing every day. So how much is it? Um, <laughs> I think I have two student loans. Okay. One is through the U.S. Department of Education, mm-hmm. and one is through Sally Mae, which has been sold so many times. I don't know what company it is anymore. Yeah. That one is about five thousand, which I feel like okay. I will pay that off. Yeah. Yes, but the other one through uh-huh. the U.S. Department of Education is about eighty thousand. Oh, yeah, I know. Everyone's like, your loan's only... No, I was like, I have a significantly large one through one loan provider, which was good for me. And then it's like, this is the positive I'm spinning. Yeah. And that it's through the U.S. government. It's not a private loan. Yeah. That, um, yeah. And the interest rates are all over the place with those. Like some Mm -hmm. are 2%, some are 6%. Um, oh, so it's multiple loans yeah, through the U.S. that yeah. all together is 80. Yes. And they all have different lo- interest yeah. rates and things that are happening. And they keep trying to get me to consolidate them. But I, I every time they offer me this, I'm like, why would I consolidate to get an overall interest Higher. rate of 5% or 6% when I have like mm. more than half? Like, And then they're like, oh, yeah. That makes sense because the interest rate is on each loan. So if it's one large sum, then that interest rate is immediately going to skyrocket. Yeah. Or the amount you're... Oh. That's so messed up that they're even asking you yes, that. Yes. And I think it's like them assuming I'm not aware. Yeah. And so, yeah. But a lot of people probably aren't. They're just like, yeah, sure. sure consolidate. That easier. sounds good. Yeah. Um, so my monthly student loan payments are about 800 Oh my God, that's I know. more than my rent. Yeah. yeah, well, when I get my paycheck now, I'm always like, there's Here like a go. really funny cat meme where the cat is like um, <laughs> under a dresser and like they stick a dollar right by it and the cat's paw just comes out of nowhere and just takes it. That's <laughs> yeah. like my paycheck every month. And yeah, I also think of like what I could be doing with that money. I could be saving. Yeah. Like, and that's Buying something. A house. Yeah, that's something like I don't, I can't save. Yeah. That's and that's totally kind of. I think the panic that my husband has is mm. and I am part of the public student loan forgiveness program, but who knows if that's going to work. So for 10 years, I need to make 10 years of monthly on-time payments mm-hmm. um, and that the remaining balance of my loan will be forgiven. But if a president comes in and takes that away. Yes. And, oh, and yeah. like, even now they finally see the 10 years has passed. So this first group can take advantage of it and not everyone has gotten it. That's so interesting. that was also like the push to get a job in a nonprofit or civil service to like work a qualifying job to help be a part of this program. Yeah. But, um, even every time I call about my loan and like, I call a lot and I ask a lot of questions that, yeah. Um, the last time I called, cause I was questioning why one of my payments didn't count towards the public student loan forgiveness program. And the young woman on the phone was like, well, given this current administration, I don't know what's going to happen. And it was like <laughs> the first time anyone had been honest with me about like, this that? might not work. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's so, important. Yeah. So you had asked me, I mean, when we were briefly discussing not going on real vacations, yeah. um, how honest we are with students and whatnot. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like I'm brought into the podcast has kind of given me this name as somebody who is very transparent mm-hmm. and candid about it. Yeah. And so I have found this new role within my career I didn't expect is going in and speaking with mm-hmm. typically seniors or professional practice classes, which is usually yeah. like their last year. They're like, oh, you're just about to leave and try to start a career. Here's yeah. one class yeah. to get you ready. Um, and I am 
I guess I would describe it as brutally honest about it. And and I'm very transparent about, you know, I had student loans, but I don't have them because I didn't graduate, but I still had a good amount to pay mm-hmm. off. And I just talked to them about that. I'm like, what's your plan? Do you really, yeah. do you even know how much you're going to have to pay each month? Yeah. Do you realize that you have this dream of becoming an educator, but you know, there might be six or seven jobs that open up nationwide and how many people are graduating from your program with you. Yeah. And I was like, and I try to give them that perspective because I feel like everybody's in these academic bubbles, like in their institutions and they are kind of built up and they should be like, you know, you got to instill that confidence and Mm -hmm. that excitement of like, go out there and get it. But then you also have to kind of give them that layer of like, the reality is, is that the majority of you are going to fall off. Yeah. And that's, I remember in grad school, yeah, towards my last semester there, I think you like, you plan so ahead in your life. Like, like uh, you apply for something and like, it's for something for like a year. Mm -hmm. So you're always like trying to like, put all your eggs in one basket. I remember finishing my thesis work and applying for jobs and my grad school teacher was like, why are you doing this? I was like, because I need money. I need like some financial stability when I leave this place. And he's like, you know, your work gets the job. Like go out there and make like really strong work and then like these opportunities will come up. Yeah. And I was like, I don't, I like left really upset because I was like, is this how the system is? Is that there? Like, is that real though? Like, I kind of think it is. I think this is like you kind of huh. need to have strong work, a strong practice. Well, yeah, and then that kind of opens doors for you. But you have to pay for a studio space. I know, and that's like, all and that's those when things. I get upset at people that talk like that. It's like that's yeah. not the whole picture, and it's really yeah. privileged to talk like that. And I think. Um, art has kind of the art world is set up that way though it is like um (laughs) yeah if you you need to be in exhibitions they're on your cv but you have to pay to for jury open calls yeah so you're paying for someone to look at your work but like so much work goes involved in like documenting your work yeah a lot Um, of money so i even like talking to my students like some of them don't have computers. So yeah. like, where do you do that at? And I was like, yeah, actually we take it for granted that we all have access yeah, we have to a technology. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then, um, yeah. And then if you're invited to a show, which like is great. Cause you think, Oh, I finally made it. Like people are seeking me out, but then you still have to pay for shipping. Oh my God. I'm dealing with that right yeah, now. It's just so expensive sometimes. It is because mm-hmm. I got asked to co-curate a show for New York city jewelry week. Yeah. And we really, I'm, I have really struggled with it. We've had yeah. a lot of talks. It's three of us. We don't have a budget. We're trying mm-hmm. to get a gallery space in Manhattan. And so oh we decided to do in- invitational, mm-hmm. um, but the artists have to pay for shipping. And I was really hesitant even asking international artists yeah, because they have to pay for the shipping both ways. And it's, I've been, this is my first time doing anything yeah. like this. And I've been like, oh, this is really awkward, but I guess that's expected. And then, yeah. And then like, I feel like, Like, I would probably do it hoping that in New York City, like, you would get lots of people to come see it and that you would hopefully get another opportunity. So, like, you're, you're, like, banking this on this assumption that there'll be a payoff in some way. Um, But sometimes you get nothing. Yeah, and the work will be for sale, but 
you know, I'm just like, will it sell? Oh my God. We're trying to find ways like our idea is to photograph all the work while we have it and then put it on a website. So it's available for sale on the website and then push that for months afterwards. Um, and I've been really shocked that a few international artists have reached out to me asking if they could be in the show. And I was, and they're artists that I loved, but I was like, I'm not going to ask them because I have to ask them to pay for shipping and I can't even bring myself to do that. Uh, yeah. We're looking at each other like I know. I feel you. I so wait a minute. You have the power within your department to bring these conversations to students. Mm-hmm. That is so cool, and it seems like you're doing it. Yeah, I and I think that's like. I feel like your role as an educator is to like share your experiences. Yeah, and you like you want to create a supportive classroom environment. Yeah, but you also need to be realistic. And all of them know. I don't know if it's also their. What's after millennials? Zennials? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> they're they're all like politically and socially engaged. Yeah. But I also feel like because so much is happening in the world that this is like something too exhausting to focus on too. Like they just want to get yeah. through school. I think they're still in this protective bubble in the classroom, mm-hmm. which I want that place. I want it to be yeah. that way too because they're dealing with so much in the world that yeah how how can we set them up for some success when they leave like what are some goals they can have now like who can they meet to like make this a little bit easier for them so yeah yeah, meeting professionals like you or networking yeah mm -hmm. yeah those are the things I always push I'm like network your butt off you never know who's gonna give you a job so sleazy yeah. But, like, you have to do it. It's always just come natural to me because I love yeah. people and I love meeting yeah. people. So, like, coming to a conference, the idea of trying to meet people and have drinks with them, I think going to drinks with pe- new people is fun, you know? But some people here look at it like yeah. work and they're like, it's daunting. Yeah. Not for me. But Yeah. Well, yeah. I think now I see, like, as a student, I probably thought that way of yeah. conferences because it's kind of intimidating to go up to people and... But mm-hmm. I tell everyone, please come up and talk to me at a conference. That's like why I'm here. Yeah, same. Um, yeah. I try to be really good about this too because I remember my first snags, um, eye contact. Mm-hmm. Like when somebody's walking through the lobby, mm-hmm. often students are like, who's here? And they're kind of looking. And mm-hmm. if you can be somebody that looks up and just sees them and smile, that could yeah. make all the difference. You know, like it's really important to when even I don't take for granted walking down the hallway or getting in the elevator because people are looking at your name tags. And if you give them an in. Yes. Any kind of body language or smile. Yeah. That can go so far for a student. Great advice. It's really important. Yeah. And like every conference has like a resource table or somewhere where everyone kind of hangs out. Like just go and hang out there. And I feel like it's our responsibility as those who are kind of like now in the field and Mm -hmm. have been on the other side to not just say, I'm just going to get drinks and have a quiet dinner with my friends and sneak (laughs) off that I've known for 10 years. Uh Like you got to kind of like put yourself in the lobby, having a drink where people can approach you. And it's not always fun to have to like meet somebody new at 1030 at night when you just want to see your friend you haven't seen in a few years, but it's kind of your responsibility in some ways. And you have to understand that. Yeah. I know um, I brought students to Nsika for the first time 
and I just went and introduced them to everybody I know and they were super embarrassed because it was kind of like that mom thing uh, and yes. I'm like no <laughs> but then I'm like you're, you're all embarrassing me <laughs> like look up and say hi yeah like yeah. get it together yeah like, I'm helping you out here yeah so then with your to go back to that though like in your program because I love how honest you are about mm. this and because of that, are you pushing more professional practice focused classes and conversations? Like, Yeah. And one thing I have to say, my colleagues at Texas State are amazing. They yeah. are all super engaged professionals. Like their mm-hmm. practices are next level. They are the top of medals. Them. Yes. Who is it? Beverly Penn. Oh, I don't know Beverly. She's been there a while, but her work is still super contemporary. Okay. She's amazing. I'll look her up. Hey, Beverly. Yeah. And I love that we have a medals program because not a lot of schools do. Um, We have ceramics and medals and then part of sculpture is soft sculpture slash textiles. Oh, okay. Love that too. Yeah. Um, They feel like it's not enough to have its own textile department though. All right. Which I know. I'm like, textiles is hot right now. Just like (laughs) ceramics. Yeah. Like, um, Yeah, so I think because I work with such amazing colleagues who are at the top of their game in their fields, like they're constantly talking about professional practice. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah. Because I've talked to students who are like, yeah, I feel like I just kind of like sideswiped like at the end last semester or whatever. Then they're like, here's your professional practice class. And like, here's everything you need to know to have for your career in one semester. And I think that's hard in a undergraduate education because they're still doing like all their liberal arts requirements. Like Mm -hmm. you're cramming a lot in this in four years and not everyone gets done in four years too. So um, yeah, it does feel like it comes at the end. So like having these conversations in like intro to ceramics class, like, We'll go to a clay festival and see how artists like come set up a tent, sit Mm -hmm. there all weekend, have to be on engaging, sell their work. Um, It's always they're educating. I know, and act like you're still having fun. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. And like, how do they structure pricing? Like, is that like a lifestyle you want, where you are direct to consumer and you are the face of your practice? Yeah. yeah, do you want that type of life? So mm-hmm. we'll do that at the end of the month. Um, oh, that's great. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah, and also, like, schlepping ceramics is, like, heavy. And uh, I, I've i done – I did the Philly craft show, the PMA yeah. show, and I've worked New York now. And yeah. every time I just roll in with, like, my tiny I'm little case. I'm always so jealous of jewelers. <laughs> <laughs> I, and yeah. I look at the glass artists and the ceramic artists who are, like, first there and last to leave. Yeah. And I'm like – Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And um yeah, I think there's also a whole other world to ceramics, like the gift market. Like we mm-hmm. always push like the gallery or the the craft markets. Yeah. But there's other ways too that Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean we're sitting here at the ACC conference. I mean, that case in point is you know, the American Craft Council shows. Yeah. yeah. Seeing those. Yeah. So one thing I haven't touched on about you, Jennifer, which is so huge, is my studio mate Lucy this year was a finalist for the American Craft Council's Emerging Voices mm-hmm. Award, which, true, real transparency, um, I applied for. It's it's a yeah. huge application. Yeah. I mean, you have to be nominated to apply. Yes. And then you apply, and yes. then you wait like over six months. Yeah, it's it was huge. It was a lot of work, and it was really intense. Um, I mean, I'm 
thankful I was even asked to apply yeah. and so incredibly proud of my studio mate because yeah. it's a really big award and a big deal for the craft field. Yeah. There's what, five finalists or is there four finalists and one winner? What does it break down to? I know. I wish there was another. There's one. I hate saying winner because they're all winners. Um, <laughs> okay, guys. I know. <laughs> Jennifer won last year, so that's why she's being so uh, modest. <laughs> but, like, one receives the $10,000 award, and then the four, I hate, shortlisted artists. Shortlisted, finalists. Finalists, yeah. yes, receives $1,000. Yeah. And then an amazing publication. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 There's like a spread in the American craft magazine yeah. and the, oh my God, the photography every year is so great. Yeah. I love the themed photography that they do. Yeah. This year was amazing. They came in into our studio. Studio was like, I'm sorry. Lucy was like, I'm sorry. I'm going to have a photographer. Is that cool? Yeah. I'm like, girl, get it. Yeah. Like do your thing. It's your time to shine. Yeah. But you know, even if you're not the $10,000 award winner, mm-hmm. which congratulations, you. you won uh-huh. last year. It's a huge accomplishment. Um, the publicity and marketing and opportunities mm-hmm. I feel like you get around it are invaluable. Yeah, for so. sure. And I think the to be nominated to apply for something is like yeah. part of the art world. I was like felt untouchable or like I had no access to. So yeah, it's also kind of to think about it like someone is looking out for you and your practice yeah girl same I mean I you know I wasn't a finalist or anything but I was still incredibly honored that someone noticed what I was doing yeah so I don't even care and I and that application kind of came at a time where I was really struggling in my studio practice and it got me back on my game like get your new photos rewrite your bio rewrite your cv questions you had to answer two which yeah. Those essay questions killed me. Like they're yeah, yeah, like how does craft fit in your practice? Yeah, or how are you an example of emerging yeah. artists and I hate really, that question. Well yeah, I hated that question. <laughs> and those kind of things and this is what I tell students all the time, apply to everything because yeah. these things get you thinking about your practice. And I think even just doing that application, yeah. oh geez, last summer. Um yeah pushed me in ways that I didn't realize I needed to be pushed at the time. Yeah. In some ways too, um, I was the juror for this year's Yeah, that, um, being on the other side of it and mm-hmm. seeing it, uh, I, I, I just remember when I was talking with the other two jurors, like this was so much work mm-hmm. and, cause you're curating your work for yeah. us to see. So everyone like put their best foot forward. Everyone like was amazing. Yeah. It was really hard. I I feel you on that too because I've been a core fellow at Penland and a resident at Aramont mm-hmm. and both positions lead to you being a part of the next application yeah. process. And I feel like that in and of itself is one of the best classes I ever quote unquote yeah, class. Cause yeah. it, it makes you so much better at applications yeah. when you get to be on the other side and see yeah, and get that perspective of like what your application made you stand out when you got it in the first place. Yes. Because everything starts to sound the same. Yeah. And so, like, I remember I went back and, like, read my answers. And I was like, did I deserve this? Like, <laughs> um, like, how do you, like, if we're reading, like, over 50 applications and everyone's answering the questions the same way, you're like, yeah. you really want to stand out. I always try to do that. And I feel yeah. like, you want to know something, though? Oh, gosh. Okay. So, when I reread my application from the core fellowship, I get hyper emotional 
Mm. And I've always done that. Like I remember finishing my essay yeah. and crying in a coffee shop and being like having this gut feeling and being like, I put my soul into this. Yeah. I'm going to be honest. I didn't feel that with my ACC application. Oh. And I know it's easy to say that because I wasn't a finalist or anything, but like, I just didn't have that. Yeah. Like I wasn't super emotional about my answers. Mm. And when I read them, they didn't invoke that from me. And I really struggled with it because I didn't feel genuine. Yeah. Do you have someone like proofread or? Oh my God, my mentor. And I talk about this all the time. She is amazing. She's an amazing writer. She still proofreads everything I do. And I could even tell that she and I both struggled with the editing Mm. process on this one. Cause I don't think she could just say to me, it's not there, you know, cause she still had to encourage me. But I think we, we never reached that moment where we Mm. both were like, it is done (laughs) and you killed it. You know? Yeah. I do think they were hard quest the like how do you define craft and your practice was hard. Oh my god, yeah. Because we all do it. We know it. It's just there. Yeah. yeah I'm making a thing. Leave me alone. Yeah. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I was in a weird place because like I had to be honest with myself that I haven't been making. Yeah. I've been making a podcast, yeah. which is a different type of practice. I actually emailed them and I was like, did you mean for me to be this? Because there's two. There's actually yeah. an emerging voice winner that's crap based. Then there's a oh, scholar. scholar. Yes. I thought they meant for me to be the scholar. Huh. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's cool that they're letting the podcast yeah. be the scholar type. <laughs> but they didn't. Yeah. No. Yeah. That, I, I think, guess that's something we didn't talk about. There's two winners technically. Yes. Did they get $10,000? Yes. Oh, wow. Yeah. The scholar and the artist. Yeah. Which I think... Yeah, having substantial craft writing are, is really important to our field. Oh, yeah. The journal, I mean, somebody, we might all be doing this and making objects, and of course they're going to be documented, but if we're not talking about what's going on within the field outside of the studio, then yeah. we're not doing our complete job. Yeah. I'm, I always, I don't know if you talk about your students with this, I've been trying to really put. Um, push this idea hashtag beyond the bench because amazing yeah Yeah. because I feel like you don't get encouraged enough to be okay with not making yeah we perpetuate like we need to be in this hustle and grind but we also need that downtime to let come up with new ideas to let ideas marinate and also to rest our body yeah like I'm sure your hands hurt all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I mm-hmm. feel like I need to rest my wrists. Like mm-hmm. my shoulders hurt from like making a million pinch pot demos and like, yeah. Yeah. Um, we're not seen as people. Yeah. That I, artists are people and that we need to spend time with our families that. Yeah. Yeah. I, ugh, I'm struggling. I just met somebody who I like, like and I haven't been in a relationship mm. in a very long time yeah. or like dated anybody in a yeah. long time and I'm dying I am so tired because I didn't realize yeah. that I don't give myself time for anything but my work yeah often and so finding those t- that time to spend with him and get to know him yeah is taking away from the podcast and everything yeah. else and it's like, oh God, am I, I really like that like person? Every friend I have who's an artist and starts dating someone. Yeah. It's hard. I think partly it's hard for them not to like feel like, why am I doing this? This person's taking away so much time. Yeah. Like, because you're kind of investing in. <laughs> yeah. What's the value in yeah, get, yeah. getting to make out with somebody? Yeah. There's a lot of value, guys. Yeah. No, <laughs> you need to do that. Yeah. For your well being. And he's yeah. not an artist. And yeah. he's, he's, um, 
Well, I'm not going to talk about it. Um, (laughs) Sorry, guys. You don't get everything on this podcast. But I like the fact that he's not an artist. Yeah. Because he doesn't have a studio practice that I have to fight. Does he have a hobby? I mean, he's a musician. So there's still an artistic practice. Yeah. No, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There. I mean, of course, there has to be something there. I don't. I don't think I've ever dated anybody that wasn't either an artist or musician. I think that's just something that I'm naturally attracted to. Yeah. I think because my husband's also an artist, we kind of get stuck in this. Um, We know like our practices take time. So we're like, okay, yeah, you go do you. I'm going to do this. And then we're like, we are in the same room or in the same studio, but like we haven't spent time together. That is different too. And that's like something like being married eight, I think we've been married like eight years and then dated for seven. Like, wow. Yeah. That like, we, I, we kind of have to say, hey, we have to, like... Let's go to a movie or, like, hold hands and yeah. talk at a restaurant. Yeah. Or, yeah. Or like, and I think because we both work in ceramics, we talk so much about it that, like, we've gotten better at being like, hey, like, I just don't have... I can't process this right now. Like, yeah. sorry. Um, yeah. <laughs> I love that tangent we just went on. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> um, but, you know, I to get back to it is like we're just talking to students just pushing that idea that you can everything you do in your practice whether it's being on a podcast or working on an application and whatnot mm-hmm. that all lends to it and I don't think we give ourselves enough yeah. permission to be like okay with not always just making yeah um, I think it's important totally um we're getting close to having to wrap up but girl I gotta ask yeah. what did you do with that ten thousand dollars okay um <laughs> <laughs> paid my student loans please say no no I didn't and oh, that was God. something I debated about yeah but I felt like I should use this money to make new work or a substantial body of work. And that would hopefully open more doors or carry me on to the next project. And that's kind of what I did. Um, I used the money. I was at a residency in the Netherlands and I used it to do everything I wanted to do. That's amazing. Amazing facility. Um, yeah, I, I put it back into my work. I worked How with long was the residency in? Three months. Oh, my yeah. studio mate just did a residency yeah. in Amsterdam for three months. Yeah, it was yeah. at the European Ceramic Work Center. It's a really expensive residency. I had partly a grant through the Linda Lighten International Artist Exchange Program, but it yeah. didn't cover. And also I needed that money to cover my living expenses while I was away for mm. three months. Like we forget about that. Like. Yeah, you have to pay rent at home. Yeah, and my bills and yeah. Um, And then I think, yeah, I made work and bought materials that like just lived as ideas in my sketchbook. Yeah. Which was really amazing. So Um, did this one experience kind of take the majority of the 10,000? I stretched it out over the year. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I think that's where my practice went I work and make porcelain objects. I started mm-hmm. doing more performance pieces. I could pay for a videographer to help me document it. Yeah. Like I felt like I also just paid a lot of, to work with a lot of artists who I wanted to work with in my community. That's awesome. That's given back. Yeah. 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 Like, and I also want to pay them what they're worth too. It wasn't yeah. like me going, I only have this much. Can I make payments? Can we barter? Like I was like, tell me how much and I want to pay you. Oh, so, I love that feeling where you're like, yeah. I'm going to pay you what you're worth. Yeah, yeah, I know. And we didn't have to do the awkward like, oh, um, like, can you afford this much? I'm like, don't do that. Tell me, what do you always charge people? Um, yeah. And then like the f- one fun thing I bought was a Dutch bike. 
<laughs> what? Yeah. What is, what is um, just I bought a really proper bike yeah. where you sit up straight. It has a basket in the front. Oh my um, god, I know exactly what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. Um, and you brought it back to the states. Yeah, and shipped it back, which is expensive. Yes. Good for you. You needed. I Thanks. mean, I think like two so important to like celebrate and I take time we're yeah. such work fo- focused that it's like come on have yeah. all those desserts while you're in yeah you're in the netherlands and yeah. buy that bike and yeah and i love that that bike reminds me of my time there and i yeah. felt like it was the perfect time in my career to stop kind of reassess what i'm making how can i push my ideas a little bit further um, and I rode a bike every day I was there. Yeah. I think it helped because I ate a dessert every day. <laughs> like, it was a really nice working routine. And so when I have my bike here in the States, it reminds me of that time. Yeah. And then I can just get on it and go for a ride and clear my mind. And then I'm, I'm allowed to do that. Like, I'm allowed to, like, get out of the studio yeah. and do these things. It's important. Yeah. Jennifer, it has been so lovely. Yeah. To- I feel like you're somebody I could keep talking to for hours. Oh, yeah. We're Let's, so on the same page yes. about, well, when you were sitting down, what did you say? I was like, you know, guys, truth be told, um, my other guest I had planned, she had something come up, so she had to yeah. cancel. So Jennifer stepped in and I was like, yo, I'm sorry. Like, I don't ask last, last minute because people are so vulnerable or uncomfortable talking about money. And what did you yeah. say? <laughs> like, I was like, growing up in a Chinese family, like... I feel like everyone knows how much I make. They know what my <laughs> bills are. Like we're so comfortable asking these really blunt questions about money because I think also your family's kind of involved yeah. too. Like, and also don't, I want to be transparent. Yeah. That's why I tell everyone how much my student loans are. Like I have to work really hard to pay that off so I can still live. We're kindred spirits. I mean, yeah. and I was saying, I was like, oh, white people don't want to talk about <laughs> it. Like I, I just got a substantial raise and promotion at my work and everybody just kind of, t- thank you. It was girl. I negotiated. Yeah. Oh, I can talk forever <sighs> about that. We'll have to part. do a bonus episode yeah. where we talk about negotiating. I in negotiation. <laughs> <laughs> I have yeah. been a hot mess yeah. the last couple of months. Um, but I've, I brought it up with a couple of my my closest friends know that yeah. I do perceive value, so they know I'm going to talk about it bluntly. Yeah. But a few people have just kind of cringed a little, and I was like, "Oh, that's right. Like, we can't talk about yeah. this because society says it's not okay." Yeah, it's yeah. I think too, you need to have that that like little group that you can be really honest with yeah. numbers. Yeah, because we need radical transparency, and I love that like um, museums had that spreadsheet. <gasps> I'm ooh, yeah. I got a coffee date with Michelle. Oh, awesome. <laughs> I'm like really it's excited. so amazing. Guys, we yeah. can't talk about it right now, but you'll you'll yeah. know soon enough what we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. And so even when I got my teaching job, I asked someone, I are you uncomfortable with this? Like can you tell me? Yeah. So I know what I'm asking for. Yeah. Good for you. You need that. God, you're in Texas. Okay. <laughs> we'll figure out a way to come together again. Yes, I would love that. We have to have more. Yeah. Maybe at Encica. Yes, please. Yeah, because I'm, I'm coming. Okay, I'll be there. Ah, well, you guys, this was so great. Jennifer, yeah. thank you so much. Oh, thank you. This I'm, was so much fun. I know, and it's just the beginning of the conference. Like, yeah. hardly anybody's here. We got three days ahead of us. Yeah. So, good. Um, it's going to be great. Well, everyone, this has been another episode of Perceived Value at the ACC Conference in Philadelphia. As always, thank you for listening. Perceived Value is recorded and produced by me, Sarah Rachel Brown. If you love the podcast and you want to show your support, 
become our patron. Visit patreon.com slash perceivedvalue to learn more, or check out our website at perceivedvaluepodcast.com and click on the support page. As always, thank you for listening.